Pastor Dan, um, I'm Andrew Schmoody, um, member here. Good to see all you guys today. Uh, Dan had asked me to come up this morning and to share something with you. Uh, the other day, I texted him just uh, this note, and I'm just going to read the text. Um, uh, and that's pretty much what I'm going to do right now. So. Just wanted to thank you for being faithful to the Lord's leading, especially in this prayer series. He's been relentlessly pursuing me for a couple of years to rid myself of me and be fully consumed in him. Though I love prayer time, I'm lazy with it by nature. But doing this together with people I love so dearly has invigorated me, and I'm finding I can't wait for my morning prayer time as well as my study time. My special place is my family room a room filled with so many memories from my childhood and my life as a husband and father, a sweet gift from the Lord. Just out the back door from it, behind our porch, was a big pin oak tree, <clears throat> I lost my place here, when I, which was there when I was little. The Lord reminded me the other morning of one of my first memories that occurred at that tree. I was playing with my matchbox cars on the dirt around the tree I was maybe five years old or so, and I almost distinctly heard him say to me that I was special to him, set apart for him. Not those words, <clears throat> um, not those words exactly, but I can remember pausing as I played and truly sensing my life was more than mine and that God had a plan for me. Anyways, it's almost like hallowed ground out there now for me. I hope. Others are engaging in this book and the sweet prayers voiced on the app, and maybe soon prayer groups will organically materialize at our church and through our community and beyond. How blessed we are to be loved so deeply and individually by our Maker. And I just um, I, I shared that because I think that this series is so important for all of us. Uh, prayer is such a gift. I mean. We get this connection between us and the maker of the universe and that he will meet us in these quiet places wherever they are. And it's just amazing. And to give you a little visual aid, though, I did bring a matchbox car. And this was my favorite one uh, when I was young. He was the fastest whenever I'd race him with the neighbor boys. I mean, he beat all the other ones. But this was Little Red. Um, Jill claims he's orange, but he's Little Red. But anyways, um, what Little Red is to me now, more than just a great memory of a great toy when I was young, and um, now he's just like the song said, he's part of my story, he's part of my song, and he helps me to praise my Savior all the day long. I got that one evening at the end of a busy day from Andrew, and uh, I felt like it summed up in such a beautiful way where all of us are, not the exact story, but there are pieces and places of that that I thought, yeah, I felt that way, or I've been that way, or I know about having a particular um, spot in your house or wherever it is, or you know, a geographic location that becomes... Uh, sentimental, you know, just becomes a real special place because you've met with the Lord there uh, so many times. And it may be difficult for you to find a spot like that. Uh, I, I know when I was thinking about campus, 
when I first began to have these, what I called quiet times, you know, these moments alone with the Lord, there's not a lot of privacy on a college campus, but there was a bench uh, near the art department and this chapel, and I, I would go there, you know, when the weather was nice, and that was my space, and it was just a real uh, sweet kind of a, a memory, you know, even when I'd walk past that and I would see that bench and I thought, ah, oh, that's where I, I have dates with the Holy Spirit. If you were uh, just a passing stranger through the rural village of Epworth, England, uh, back in 1700 to 1720, you might look in the window and you would see a lady sitting there. It'd be an unusual sight because, uh, depending on the time of the day, she would be in this chair uh, with her kitchen apron pulled up over her head. And she would sit sometimes up to two hours like that with ten children either studying or playing or doing chores all around her while she sat under her apron. She could not find a quiet place, so she created one. I have a tallit, a prayer shawl, and sometimes I just get under that, and I think that's what she did. She turned her kitchen apron into a prayer shawl. Her name was Susanna Wesley, and I'm sure you've heard of her. Uh, She had these two sons out of those ten who would grow up. Those little boys, would John and Charles, would would change the course, literally, of, of Christian history and would awaken the world in so many ways. Susanna was an amazing woman because she would assume that posture under that apron almost every day of her life. She homeschooled those ten children who were at these different ages and places, She would prepare all the meals, take care of the house. She managed the farm that they lived on. Her husband was busy. He was writing books and doing these other things and really honestly just didn't help out a lot. So that was all on her shoulders. And then as she began to teach her children on Sunday afternoons, some of the neighbors heard her teaching and realized, wow, there's more content, there's more substance in her teaching than we hear anywhere else. So the immediate neighbor said, do you mind if we listen in? Can we just come on a Sunday afternoon and sit and listen? And she said, yes. And so they listened, and then other people began to join. And after a while, Susanna Wesley (laughs) began to be known for her powerful Bible teaching. In fact, in that little village, there was a church here with 40 members and one here with 50 and one here with 60 But on Sunday afternoons, well over 200 people would crowd around in her backyard to hear her teach scripture. She was a busy lady. But she went under that apron every day. And it became her little private prayer closet. Had a pastor in West Tennessee, his name's Jack. And he's one of the most delightful people you'd ever want to meet. And Jack decided he wanted a prayer closet, but being West Tennessee, he wanted outside. So at the end of his yard, where there was some, a little wooded area, he created a prayer garden. And he had a bench, and he planted plants. I mean, it was just beautiful. It was this nice little area. He said, I went out to my prayer garden one day, and there was a snake in my garden. I said, what'd you do, Jack? And he said, well, now this is West Tennessee. He said, I shot it. You know, he had, of course, we have guns with us and all the time. And, you know, he shot the snake. And I said, oh, if only Adam and Eve had had a pistol. 
in the Garden of Eden, we wouldn't have gone through all this trouble, you know. But the, he had a prayer closet. I've had different places and different spaces throughout my adult life. Here's the big idea about this message today is that Jesus is going to teach us the importance of creating space. It doesn't just happen. Uh, if you leave it to chance, uh, the enemy will steal it. But he wants to create space so that we can encounter God free from all distractions. What a difference this is going to make in your life. Here's the way I'm going to apply that. By entering into my secret place. Free from people and emails and social media and all the other distractions. And by the way, you can set your notifications. Mine turn off at 10 o'clock at night and they come back on after 7 in the morning. You can manage that so that you can encounter your Father and invite Him into your circumstances, in your hopes, in your fears, your dreams, even your pain. This was difficult for me. It wasn't a part of my lifestyle. When I was in college is where I first began to even think about this, this concept of spending time alone with the Lord. I had a good friend named Danny uh, who I ran with, and that's when I became Dan more often because we were both Danny's. And we would both turn our heads when somebody said our name, but he would come by and tap on the window of my apartment and get me up in the mornings, and he was faithful to do that. He worked in the kitchen there on campus, and so he had to get up really early, so he just routed himself by my window. He would tap on that window and wake me up, and after a while, I began to, to get up and to, to kind of wake up on my own and to spend that time with the Lord, and the way that I would think about it because if you just wake up and you think, man, I'm really kind of sleepy, I'm kind of tired, I'm just going to sleep 15 more minutes. But what if you had made a commitment? What if you had a date? Some of you remember dates pre-COVID or even now, maybe, I don't know how you're working that out. But you go, you go on a date, you tell somebody, I'm going to meet you so-and-so, or I'll come by and pick you up, and it'll be at this time, and we'll go do this. So I began to plan dates with the Holy Spirit. And I say, Lord, I will see you in the morning. And I, I will be at the kitchen table. I will be at the bench at whatever, at 6.30, at whatever time we set. So then when I wake up, I realize, oh, I've got a date. I've got to be, he's waiting on me. He's waiting on you. He will be there waiting on you in the morning if you decide to apply uh, today's message. I know a lot of the rationalizations and excuses. I've used them myself. You know, Andrew was so vulnerable, and I just I love that about his personality. And he said, basically, I'm kind of lazy about it, and I just, you know, don't, don't want to just do that. And I think, yeah, most of us wouldn't admit that, but there's all different kinds of things that work against us having this time with the Lord. For Jesus, it was his schedule. In Mark chapter 1, verse 21 to 34, it describes a typical hectic day in the life of Jesus. Now, I know when you read a, you know, a novel or a, about Bible times or you watch a movie or a show about Jesus, it seems that everything was in slow-mo, right? He's just kind of moving through his day, and they've all got this luxury and this, this time. But on this particular day, it began early in the morning with Jesus teaching uh, he goes into a synagogue in Capernaum, and he's teaching on the Sabbath. 
And as he taught, the Bible says he had incredible authority about him when, when he would do this, these teachings. And in the midst of that, he's confronted by a demon-possessed man, and he heals him. After leaving the synagogue, Jesus and the disciples go to the home of Andrew and Peter. And there, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. That evening, the entire t- town had heard about this. Word spread pretty fast. So they gather all around the house, and they brought all their folks with them who were sick or demon-possessed, and Jesus healed them. So he started early in the morning, and he went all the way into the night ministering to people and working. And the Scripture says that Jesus healed many who were sick, and he drove out many demons. Now, that's the backstory to this verse that I want to read with you. It's in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And it says this. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and he went to a desolate place, and there he prayed. To notice that Jesus got up early in the morning. Now, why? I'm not going to be legalistic about this, but I will tell you, because everyone else's day, when it gets started, when the children wake up, when the phone starts ringing, when when your your notifications begin to, to pop up, all those opportunities to seek the Lord in the secret place gets really, really challenging because you start competing with all the demands and everything that's tugging at you and pulling at you, the needs of other people, uh, and it's just difficult. I have not found another time except maybe sometimes at a lunchtime or you know, there may be a spot in your day, and I don't know what your work schedule, maybe your day's completely flipped because you work all during the night and you sleep during the day. I don't know how God's going to work this out in your life, but for me, mornings is the time. Me and Jesus, Jesus and I, we just, we just like the early mornings. Mark describes the time as still being dark. I don't think they had daylight savings time then, but the majority of people had not yet begun their activities. Everybody was still kind of, you know, slowly move, waking up, moving into the day. So the day wasn't busy yet. This is a perfect time for Jesus. I want you to pay attention to to where Jesus went. It says he went to a secluded place or an isolated place. My version said desolated, and I thought, man, that just sounds awful. I don't want to get up every day and go to a desolate place. You know, I just think, wow, Lord, that's not that doesn't feel real inviting. It just means a place that's quiet. A place that's kind of set aside. Jesus withdrew to an isolated place so that no other people or things could compete and distract him. Now, do you think if Jesus were here today that he would have gone into that that moment with his iPad or with his phone or, you know, any, any of that into that desolate place? That would have been you know, contradictory to the whole purpose of it. Maybe the place for us especially is not just the absence of people, but the removal of things that can also detour us or hinder us. I have a border collie, and she's getting older, and sometimes, usually about twice a week, she gets me up in the middle of the night. 
1 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. She'll just wake me up and like, let's go outside. And we'll go out, and I think the obvious why she wants to go outside, but no, she just wants to look around. And we'll go out, and we'll kind of walk up and down the yard or the street in front of my house, and she'll just stop and what is that over there? That looks kind of interesting, you know. And it's nothing. It's nothing. Now, lately, she has started doing this in the mornings. We get up, we take a walk, we come back, and I'm in the kitchen, and she'll come over to me and cry again. And I realize the devil's in that dog trying to interrupt my quiet time. She's distracting me and hindering me. But, you know, I have to, have to deal with that. You're going to have to deal with things, and you know your life. You know your circumstances. You know the people. You know the devices. What is it? And be real about that. And be purposeful in moving those things to the side as best you can so that you can just have this conversation with the Lord. It says, after rising early and finding a quiet place, verse 35 says, there he prayed. I know there's a lot of good things you can do. Jesus said, I just want to pray. He didn't read his email. He didn't read a book on prayer, (laughs) about prayer. He just met with his heavenly father. And I I don't know. I've tried to imagine, you know, was was it Thanksgiving? Yeah, and worship. Maybe it was just this deep intercession for others. Maybe he would just be still and quiet for moments and and just enjoy that atmosphere, you know, just the presence of God. Maybe he prayed for himself, maybe for the things he was going to face that day. Maybe he looked ahead all the way to the cross. Or maybe, what I think, it was just a combination of those things. Sort of like a reflection of the way he prayed when he prayed the Lord's Prayer that we looked at uh, not long ago. The priority wasn't a formula. It wasn't a routine in the sense that it just become something without meaning and just, uh, you know, what you repeat uh, every time you pray. You know, when I was a child, we didn't go to church, we didn't pray a lot, but the prayers that I heard often were just repetitive, and, and they were scripted almost, you know, and I could just memorize those and say those. Jesus is doing something really different than that early in the morning. It was a priority. We just wanted to be alone with the Father. So just as Jesus prioritized his life around making time with the Lord, with the Father, we as his, his followers would be wise to develop that same practice, that kind of habit. Jesus teaches us the importance of creating space to encounter God. In Matthew 6, 6, he says this, But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who's in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Now, the Greek word here for Room or for that, that space. It, it literally means, at that time, it was a room in the interior of a house, normally without windows. That's all it takes for me. How about you? you know, it doesn't take a lot to distract me. It can be a bird. It can be whatever. So they, 
he said, this, inter, this inner room uh, that was open to the outside. It was this, it's just a secret place. This, you know, some of you thought about a prayer closet or maybe you've literally gotten into a closet. I don't care. I, like I said, I don't want to be legalistic about where you go. It can be anywhere. But make it a place where a lot of the distractions are going to be removed. And I think we, you know, we must not only just create a quiet place, I have to cultivate a quiet heart before the Lord. You know, I've got so many things on my mind. I've got so many things on my heart, and there's things I, you know, I'm kind of concerned about that, or, oh, in a couple of hours, I've got to be here. I've got to do this. And all those things kind of come. So you need a quiet place. You need a quiet heart. Solitude and silence. It's going to feel kind of weird for you. The first few times you try this, you, 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 it's going to make you a little anxious. You're going to think, I need to be doing something. But it's not only re- refers to just alleviating all this outside noise, you know, the disturbances, but also those, those in, inner voices and all the interruptions that come. Next, Jesus tells us that the rewards are there for praying in a secret place. He says that when we enter that quiet, secret area, you know, and we pray to the Lord because the Lord's in secret. He's there. He's going to be waiting for you. And it's unseen. It says your father's in that secret place. He's gone ahead of you. He set the place. So the moment you get there, you're immediately in the presence of your father. In Matthew 6, 6, says he'll reward you for that. He's going to bless you uh, for those times. I think there's something that comes almost in an invisible way through those consistent times alone with the Lord that can't be substituted, it can't be imitated, it can't be mimicked or replaced with anything else. You can learn Greek, you can learn Hebrew, you can go uh, to Bible college, you can go to seminary. I've done all those things. There is nothing in my life where I get the power and the blessing and the presence and the awareness of the Lord like spending time alone with Him. We just go there. We close the door and see what God has for us. Like Jesus, the priority for us in prayer is just being with the Father. It's not complicated It doesn't have to be anything that you stress about. Intimacy with Jesus must be the center of our lives, not ministry for Jesus. Allowing him to fuel us and to minister to us and just to bless us, that's the center of the the life. And then the ministry flows out of who you are, of his presence in you. And sometimes we... We're not sure how to do that or we're uncomfortable with that. So we make ministry the center. He goes, no, that's a byproduct. That's what comes after that. Prayer includes asking God to meet our needs, uh, presenting all of our requests to him. You see that in in, in Matthew 7, Philippians 4, there, there's so many scriptures that talk about that's okay, that's good. He wants you to do that. However, 
when praying, and I said this last week, but when, when you pray, remember, that is not coming to the Lord. And I had this misconception about prayer. You know, God is not a vending machine. God is not a genie in a lamp who just grants our every wish. And, you know, we just go to him and we, you know, you put the coin in and pull the knob and you think, okay, that's my prayer. I'm just going to, God, I'm just going to knock out this list here and tell you everything that I'm thinking about and what I wish you would do. And then, then I'm out. Maybe that's part of it, but that's not the big part of it. That's not the main thing that God wants to do. Prayer is inviting God into our circumstances. God, I want you in this day with me. I want you to know what my hopes are. I want you to know what I'm scared about. The things that bother me and where I'm uncertain. I want you to know all my dreams. Father, you know my sin, but I just want to agree with you about how damaging those are to me today. And I just want to repent of those and I want to leave those aside. God, here's the places where, where I'm hurting. This is my pain. And maybe nobody knows about it but you, but I just want to put it there before you. That's what you do when you're with your best friend. That's what you do with family. That's what you do with somebody close to you. You, you don't maybe feel the freedom or the liberty just to share everything with everybody. But when you're alone with the Lord, you can just, just give Him your heart. Prayer isn't just working your way through a grocery list. It's not a click list. It's not just a request that we desire and we wish God would perform for us in this way or answer that prayer in the way we want Him to. Prayer allows us to live relationally with God. This is what pushes down the walls and the barriers. This is where you're in relationship uh, with Him. And living relationally means you learn how to talk to God. Have you ever had a crush on somebody or you meet somebody that you're really interested in but you don't know what to say and so those first few conversations are a little awkward? Hey, what do you, uh, do you like uh, air? Yeah, I really like air. I, you know, and you just think, why did I say that? I can't believe I said that. And, you know, and then you, you, you just work through all that but as you get to know someone and the closer and closer you get, you just start to say, you just get to these places where you just say anything and you can just hear anything. God says, I want to know you like that. I want you to know me. And so you have this freedom and I just walk with you all throughout your day as you wake up in the morning, as you sit in a Zoom meeting or a class, as you drive to your next destination, as you sit in your favorite chair, as you watch your favorite show, as you go for a walk, uh, when you're just hanging out with friends, when, when you're watching the game, when you're anything, wherever you are, I want to be in those moments with you. I know you're busy. I get that. I'm busy too. <laughs> we all are. You know, life was busy for Jesus. Therefore, Jesus had to intentionally seek a time and a place that was free from distraction. And for us today, those distractions include so many more things. There are more people, and they have instant access to us. And if you text somebody, and they don't answer you within a couple of minutes, what are you thinking? Why are they ignoring me? 
They didn't get my message. They didn't get my email. They didn't get my, you know, I understand that there's a lot tugging on us and that life, life is busy. And there's social media and the draw, the, the pull to check this and to, to take a look at that. And you know, cell phones are such a big blessing, but they're also kind of a curse, aren't they? So let me conclude today's teaching with this real practical exercise for you, okay? And this is to begin this week. Let's just get started and do it this week. When you get home, you know, after you've gone to lunch, you've done, done whatever, you find a, a quiet moment and a place and get out your phone, get out your calendar, your journal, whatever it is that works for you, and set a time and a place that's quiet that doesn't have distractions where you're going to meet the Lord tomorrow. For me, it's going to be early tomorrow morning. That's just the best time that just works for me. For most of us, that's probably a good time. Mornings are are probably easier. But you might prefer an afternoon or an evening time of prayer, uh, whatever it is. And if this is new to you, you might want to set a modest goal. I don't want you to get caught under the burden and for the enemy to whisper shame into your life or guilt into your life and it becomes all about the quiet time and that becomes, you know, yet this idol or this God for you. It's not meant to be that at all. Do you ever think about that when you go out to eat dinner with somebody or to a con? I got to go to this concert. Oh man, I hate going out with my friends. Oh, we're going to go do this and I, but I got to do it. I'm, now, God doesn't want us to have that kind of attitude. He goes, no, I want you to look forward to it. I want you to know that when you date me, we're going to have, we're going to have the best conversations. And I'm going to reward you. I'm going to bless you. So whatever works for you, I think daily is best. There's something about the rhythm of that and the consistency of that that just works. But if you miss a day, you know, if you get up tomorrow, man, you're enthused and you think, wow, I just love this time alone with the Lord. Then Tuesday something happens and you didn't do it. Don't get knocked off. Don't, don't think, well, you know, never mind. I gave it a little try. Then pick it back up Wednesday. Shoot for three or four times at least this week when you can just be alone for 10 or 15 minutes with the Lord. Whatever time works for you. Something that's, that's challenging but doable. Now, I'm not, someone said I was doing this book as the series. This is not the series, but this is a great companion to it. And we've got a few copies left. If we run out, you can get them on Amazon. You can get it with Kindle or whatever, whatever you prefer. But it's just really good. And it takes just a minute or two to read the pages, usually or about one or two pages. And then there's a place you can go online. And I just do it on my phone, and I just leave that, that open, that page open. And I just listen to these little prayers. They usually take two to three, four minutes, not even that long, uh, every morning. And there's nothing supernaturally anointed or special, but they're really sweet, and they're really affectionate. And in so many days, I just think, oh, wow, that's what I want to pray. That's a really good prayer for, for today. So maybe incorporate that into the time, you know, when you read scripture and you allow God to speak to you through his word. That's the most important. That's the first priority. And to have these conversations with the Lord. We got to have dinner with Dr. Adrian Rogers one night, and I think he's one of the most powerful men in his spirit of anybody I've ever met. We went to Yield Steakhouse, 
And I remember asking him, how long do you spend in your quiet times? Do you spend 30 minutes a day, two hours a day? You know, I heard Martin Luther spent four hours a day with the Lord every day. I really don't know if I'm going to be able to, to pull that off. And at that time, I was consistently doing like 30 minutes a day, and I was kind of proud of it. You know, I was just spiritually proud. He said, well, I don't know. He said, some days it's 10 minutes. That almost broke my heart. I thought, what, you? But you're, you're going to be, wow. He said, some days it's two hours. He said, just let the Spirit lead me. And that's the way our conversations are. I used to call my mom every Sunday night after we would have you know, church on Sunday nights, and I would get home and I would call her, and I would make a nest. And my mom talked really, really softly on the phone, and I would think, I'm going to try to be, I, I love my mom, I love my mom, but I would want to keep it under an hour, okay? <laughs> that just seemed to be a good time, and I would sort of talk to her and listen to her real closely, and, and then I would watch that clock. Listen, don't do your quiet times like that, okay? Most of your conversations are, you, you ever been with somebody that you really like talking with, and you look down and think, oh my goodness, we've been talking for two hours. Oh my goodness, we... Look, I got I got I have no idea we've been on the phone this long. God wants to he wants to pull you in like that. He wants you to have those times with him where you think, "Oh my goodness, I got to go to school. <laughs> I got to go to work. Oh father, I've I've got to stop, but I'll be back. I'll be back because I'm loving this." I had no idea. Listen, when that begins to happen, now, the first time I tried to pray, and I think I told you this last week, I would pray and pray and pray, and I thought, I'm going to do this for half an hour. That was a goal I set for myself, and I'd look up, and five minutes had gone by. I think, oh, my goodness, I don't know what else to talk about. I've said everything I know to say. I've asked for everything I can ask for. But when you get to know the Lord, just like when you get to know somebody in your family or a friend, the time just, just swoosh by. I want you to listen to one of the prayers. This is from this week. And we'll worship together. And I hope you'll take this challenge and create a space and create a time and have a date with the Lord in the morning.